Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. This week joining me is Sam Steele. Sam, thanks for hanging out today. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So Sam has actually done something pretty cool. He's done a fan translation of the Game Boy Advance version of Tornico Mystery Dungeon 3. So we're going to be discussing that a whole lot in today's episode. But first, uh, let's get to know Sam a little bit better and his history with the series. So Sam, what was your first Dragon Quest game and, and how did you get into the series? Probably early on, I found a couple of uh, Dragon Quest games at the local electronics boutique. Um, game Boy Color ones, I think Dragon Quest Monsters and Dragon Quest 3. Or I think it was Dragon Warrior 3 at the time. Uh-huh. Um, played through bits and pieces of them. Uh, I don't think I ever finished either of them originally when I bought them. Um, I probably traded them in or sold them on eBay, which really regretted a few years later. Yeah. When I <laughs> yeah. Tracked down Dragon Warrior 3, that, uh, a boxed version. Set me back a little bit, but I got there. Yeah. Really, found one with the guide and every, uh, the manual and everything. I kind of had a break for a few years. I was playing a couple of Final Fantasy games and bits, still quite into my JRPGs. And uh, I think it was Dragon Quest Monsters, oh, Dragon Quest Monsters Joker One, the original one on the DS. Yeah. I picked that one up quite cheap and I gave it a go. Um, it's one I've started a few times and I've never finished it, but I think that's what got me back into it. And I picked up some of the other games in the series and. Uh, kind of collected again there kind of around the mid uh 2005 or so yeah awesome and you you're also you're trying to play the whole series too now yeah yeah i've um i've played through from 1 to 11 not including 10 i've finished all the main story uh in each of the games but going through the side quests um filling in the monster books that kind of thing going for the mini medals hopefully haven't missed anything and have to restart the game and go back to the beginning but uh yeah i've, I've just kind of going back and playing them all now, um, as well as the side games, the the spin-offs. Uh, I've got Rocket Slime, which I keep starting and stopping. I'll do a level or so and then stop and go back to something else. And then, uh, but yeah, yeah, playing a lot of Dragon Quest at the minute as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, do you have a favorite Dragon Quest game? Took me a bit of thinking, but I'd say Dragon Quest Eight, uh, the 3DS remake. I do remember it coming out on the PlayStation, but for some reason I never picked it up. I'd have thought the art style, a JRPG yeah. at the time, I would have that straight away but i think i just missed it. it i don't know how well it was advertised in the uk when it came out um but the uh, 3ds remake i picked up straight away uh, launch day picked it up played it through we finished it in about a month or so um, yeah that one was great i love the the voice acting's really good it's the um, leveling up to 3d full 3d models and everything i thought it was really nice um, really enjoyable mm-hmm. game as well and then the 3ds edition's got the extras it's kind of the photography stuff and the extra quests with that which i enjoyed Speaking of that, uh, you were talking about how well it was uh, promoted there in the UK, and it kind of just dawned on me. So Dragon Quest Eight was the first Dragon Quest game the UK got, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. Because um, it was just, I believe it was just called, I think it was just called Dragon Quest Journey of the Cursed King. Like, I think they just completely dropped the eight from it. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I've I've seen a couple of secondhand copies, and I keep thinking of picking it up just to have it for the collection. I haven't got my PlayStation 2 anymore. Um, I think we, we did have some... I'm sure we had a Game Boy Color game. Uh-huh. Um, I'll be misremembering. Might have been an eBay purchase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I totally get it. That's where I get like all my Dragon Quest stuff <laughs> from is eBay. And I, I feel like some people... like I post stuff online, you know, and some people on yeah. Twitter ask me where I get it from. And I feel like everybody just is so tired of me constantly being like, eBay, eBay. eBay. I never have a more interesting <laughs> answer. It's always just eBay. <laughs> <laughs> 
normally one of the things I do, if I'm a bit bored, I'll just type in Dragon Quest into eBay, spend a few quid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly my thing too. And a lot of times I'll go in and like filter it where it's like the lowest price items first. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll just work my way down on eBay when I'm kind of bored or just like, you know, sitting around in the evenings trying to wind down. Like there's something just kind of relaxing about it. I'll just go through and try to find good Dragon Quest deals. <laughs> yeah, there's always some interesting bits on eBay. I think the best find I found locally, though, it was a, a secondhand shop not too far away from me that had the PlayStation 2 slime controller. Oh, that's awesome. It was all boxed and everything still. Um, really good condition. About £30 or so. Bought it without even thinking. Didn't even worry about the bank account. Just, oh, I'll go for that. 30 quid. <laughs> ads. Um, yeah, for sure. That's awesome, though. And then, yeah, got straight home and unboxed it, of course. So lowered the value. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give it a go. It's not particularly easy to hold, but if you're playing RPGs, I imagine so. But I went straight for an action game and <laughs> fell miserably. I gotcha. I gotcha. So so Dragon Quest Eight is probably your favorite. Um, I noticed also on your notes, though, you said Dragon Quest Nine as well. Oh, you yeah. Like uh, I think Nine's probably the first one I played the main series all the way through, start to finish. Uh-huh. Um, and I just enjoy it. It's a, a game, I cannot play it for a few months, then go back and find some new quests to go and do, or uh, some items I want to collect. So there's something I want to progress further in the game. Um, I'd really like it if there was more people locally I could play with, but uh, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to find any conventions at the moment. Hopefully in a couple of months or so, conventions will be back on and they'll be able to sort out some meets for Dragon Quest and 3DS stuff, that type of thing. Yeah, that'd be great. So those are your favorites. And do you have a least favorite Dragon Quest game? I do feel a bit bad about this one because it's the one that got me back into the series. Um, It's Dragon Quest Monsters Joker. Uh The amount of times I've started it, finished the first island, uh, I've gone, oh, it's a bit grindy. I've gone gone off the boil a bit with it and then stopped playing. And then I load up my save a bit later. I go, oh, I've completely forgotten what's happened. I'll start again. And I've just done the same island probably about 20 or 30 times. And never got any further. So maybe this year I'm going to focus on it and finish it. Okay. There, it's interesting that you say that because that's actually uh, Miley's favorite uh, Dragon Quest game as well with Joker. And I know so many people who love it and I can never get into it. It's the only Dragon Quest game I've ever started up that I just I haven't been able to get very far in. And, yeah. and maybe it's that you mentioned grindy. And I think that's kind of what it is. At a certain point, it's just like, trying to grind levels to get your monsters better and everything like yeah. it just I, I felt like there was no story like compelling me to go forward with it oh definitely yeah i feel the same way there's no nothing joining it all together and i always found the starters were a bit boring i've played a lot of pokemon games so you get the something that's really rare you can only get it from the professor then you've got dragon quest monsters it's um I forgot what they are. There's a, uh, I know Drac is one of them, and that's one of the first monsters you meet in the cave. Like, oh, uh-huh. no, that's not very exciting. I want something a bit more interesting for my starter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I totally, yeah, I totally, I totally get you there. That's that's probably my least favorite as well. So, uh, so what's your favorite Dragon Quest character? Um, oh, I did have quite a think about this one. So, um, you might see from my notes, I've managed to cut it down to three. Um, <laughs> Dragon Quest Eight. I had to go with Yangus fellow Brit. Uh, Uh I really love the Cockney accent. Um, I was doing a little bit of research before the show and I didn't realise he's played by uh, Ricky Grover, who's been in a few TV shows I've I've watched. Uh, Do you have Red Dwarf over in the States? Um, I probably, I'm not familiar (laughs) with it. Uh, Kind of like a parody of Star Trek, Star Wars, Alien sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
I think he just has a couple of bit parts in a few episodes, but yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. He was in that, and I've probably watched that way back when I was a kid, when it first on TV in the nineties. But yeah, Yangus is is a funny character. He's got the comic relief, but like I say, I love the accent, the Cockney rhyming slang, mm-hmm. um, and he was always on my front line for my team. He always found he was a big hit, heavy hitter, so I always had him on my main team. Yeah, I, I love I love Yangus as well. So. I've also included, I know you're not a big fan of Dragon Quest Seven, but I've included Kiefer uh, from Seven. Oh, I do. I will say I do like Dragon Quest Seven more now than I did the first time. And Kiefer, uh, Kiefer is my favorite character probably from that game. <laughs> oh, he's excellent. I, there's something about the some of the official art. He looks really sinister, but he's yeah, quite a lovable he character. He's easy to, I think he's easy to identify with. The prince that doesn't really want to be a prince and wants to go off on adventures and all this. I found Dragon Quest Seven was a really long game. Uh-huh. Sitting there playing it, I've had again 3DS remake, and it was I maybe get a chapter done in a week, and then I go, okay, I need a break. It's a bit draining. I was only playing one game at the time. It was it felt quite intense. And I'll drop a spoiler here just in case anyone else hasn't played it. But uh, the chapter where he decides to stay behind with the Romers uh-huh. gets married. I was devastated. I couldn't play it for a couple of weeks. I just think, oh no, Kiefer, I've lost lost him. So um. After that, I did a little bit of research and found out about the Caravan Heart translation, another Game Boy uh-huh. Advance game. So I picked up a physical copy of that. Uh, I think it was a couple a company that produced quite a few copies. So I've got that sitting on my to-do pile. Uh, so I'm quite looking forward to that. So I actually thought with Kiefer, I thought I kept expecting him to come back. Like I didn't yeah. realize when he left, I was like, because at that point I'd played quite a few dragon i'd played like the first six dragon quest games maybe by then i can't really remember at what point when i, I think i may have played the first three and then skipped ahead to seven now that oh, i'm yeah. thinking about it but either way i played it and i was like okay this guy's definitely coming back like it's a yeah. dragon quest game characters come back and then i like 20 hours later i was like okay maybe i'm gonna google this and see <laughs> see if he actually comes back and then when i saw read that he didn't i was like okay well then not gonna like hold my breath anymore and expect Kiefer to come back so i, I can definitely I, I definitely feel you there like i was <laughs> very sad when when he left your party I'm, I'm certain there's a point where you find his gravestone as well and that was kind of oh okay yep yep yeah see him again that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was sad and then y- you've beaten seven right yeah oh yeah yeah okay yeah the part at the end you know where you get the message from him oh um, yes <laughs> was, at the end is like so so bittersweet like it's really sad like it's happy because he got to live his life and you know he did what he wanted yeah. but it's like so sad you know yeah oh definitely definitely I, I, I really did enjoy that game I do keep needing to go back and do more of the side quests and uh, there's the fragment tiles you've got to collect. I've I've got a few of those and kept thinking I'll go back. I'll get some more. Um, but mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So the third person on my list is uh, Taloon Toneko. I thought I should include mm-hmm. him. It seems a bit obvious, um, but I really I know a lot of people that play Dragon Quest Four say this. I really enjoyed the mini game where you run his shop for him. You go and get the items. You just stand there and sell them and mm-hmm. uh, make a profit. I it reminded me of uh, Weapon Shop Diomas on 3DS. Uh, you're a smith and you make weapons and bits, armor for adventurers that come through. And that had a nice little story to it. It was like a, a bit of a cheesy sitcom, but in a JRPG kind of environment. Oh, that's uh, cool. I, I've not heard of this game. So that's that's interesting. Uh, I forgot what series it was part of. There was um, a series of games where they had quite a few different developers making different indie games. None of them connected to each other, all just a bit strange. And that one... Yeah, I really love that. Um, again, it had 
I won't drop any spoilers, but it had quite a, an emotional ending. Um, oh, yeah, I really right. enjoyed that. The running the shop for Tsneko reminded me of that. Yeah, very um, cool. I always like I always like Tornico a lot. Uh, and so I I'm in the minority here, but I I did not like that chapter of Dragon Quest Four very much. I love no. Tornico as a character, but I didn't like that chapter very much. And but just as a character, I love Tornico. I liked him, you know, later in the game when he rejoins your party, even though I didn't really play as him yeah. in Dragon Quest Four. And then just, you know, like Dragon Quest Heroes 2, loved him in that. And just, he's been in so many spinoff games. And there's just, there's something like so immensely likable about him that yeah. like, it's just, I, I definitely like Tornico Taloon as one, like I consider him one of my favorite characters uh, in in Dragon Quest just overall, even though I feel like I don't necessarily like play as him in any of the games. <laughs> <laughs> So since today's episode is on fan translation, are there any Dragon Quest games out there that like haven't made it West that you'd like to play, but maybe haven't? Well, again, it's an obvious one. Dragon Quest X, without a doubt. Um, uh-huh. I, I've played a few MMORPGs. Uh, RuneScape was the big one. When I was in school, that was a big thing, Java-based, play with my mates from school, all rush yeah. home, go and play it, get on MSN Messenger, and we're chatting about what we're doing next, or... Uh-huh. Um, what we're going to raid or whatever. That was good fun. And I think an MMO Dragon Quest would be something I'd really enjoy. And watching videos and bits online, it looks great. I'd, I think I'd even go for the, there's rumors about doing an offline version in English. I don't know if mm-hmm. there's any substance to those, but that sounds quite good. I have not made it as far through all of Dragon Quest X as I wanted. When I originally started playing around this time last year, I was like, I'm going to get through all five versions of the game. And then (laughs) I'm still in version two, I believe. I think I'm getting towards the end of version two. So I've played all of the base game and then, you know, working through the second expansion here. But it is my mistake. The mistake that I made, I've realized, is that when I played through version one, I got so used to like knowing where things were in the menu because I can't read Japanese. So I just would, it's all memory based. Yeah. And the mistake I made is that I took a break. I took like a couple of months off to go back and play uh, Final Fantasy 14, the MMO. Oh, and yeah. then whenever, every time now, since then, when I keep booting up Dragon Quest 10 to try to play it, more it's like that muscle memory or whatever is gone and i find myself playing it for like 20 30 minutes and then shutting it off instead of playing it for like you know three or four hours at a time like (laughs) i used to and so i think it's totally my fault that i haven't gotten back into dragon quest 10 it's just i'm it's hard to relearn all that stuff after like forgetting it you know definitely um i I do keep uh, my uncle lives out in Osaka, uh, so I keep thinking, I'll go on Amazon, I've figured out how to order things to his flat, and I think, I'll oh, do that, I'll order it to his flat, and he can post it back to me, or bring it over when he visits next. It's a bit devious, uh-huh. but making the most of it. I send him <laughs> stuff out all the time, and I, I do a lot of his jobs for him in the, the UK if he needs me to do anything. Yeah. Um, so I think, oh, I'll, send him, I'll send him some parcels he can post back to me. So yeah, Dragon Quest Ten might be the next one. Very cool. Um, and then, I noticed too, you have Dragon Quest Eleven, the 3DS version? Yeah, I absolutely love my 3DS. Um, probably up until, well, until I stopped leaving the house with <laughs> lockdowns and pandemic, I always had my 3DS with me. Uh-huh. Uh, I travel down to London a bit for work or uh, go to a couple of other sites across the country. So I've almost always got my 3DS in my bag. So when I've got a bit of downtime, just rip that out, have a go, play a bit of Dragon Quest or 
Um, I buy a lot of indie games. Whatever's on cheap on the eShop, I'll buy that. If it's a couple mm-hmm. of quids, I play it for a few hours. I figure I've got my money's worth. But Dragon Quest XI on the 3DS. Uh, looking at the screenshots of the Japanese version, I absolutely love the idea of having one screen. You've got it all in, rendered in 3D. Bottom screen was uh, 2D, mm-hmm. and that was just amazing. I'd love to be able to play it like that, um, having both screens at once. Yeah, and you do you do have to choose after a while because I've played I've played quite a bit of it, not as much as I should have, but you do have to. Uh, there comes a point where you have to choose which one you have to stick with, which is a little bit. Like, I mean, I guess I get why they did it because it's a very long game. So I guess eventually you would have to to pick it. But I didn't realize that when I first got the game. I thought it was going to be like this through the whole way. And oh, it yeah. seems like such a cool idea, right? That you could just play like a full game and see it all in 3D and 2D like simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. Um, does the 3D slider function work for it as well? I'd not seen I don't know. Um, it actually, I bought the bundle that came with the, it was a Liquid Metal Slime 2DS. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I've like seen the, you post the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, the 2DS nice. XL. Yeah. So I, so I don't know about the 3D function. I can't speak to that at all. But about, before we get into talking about your translation process for Tornico 3, about halfway through episodes, BJ and I always like to do shameless self-promotion, which is where we usually promote Dragon Quest FM, but Sam, since you're the guest in today's episode, I want you to do all the promoting. Feel free to be just as shameless as possible. Tell folks where <laughs> to find your your fan translation, where to find you on social media, just whatever you want. Excellent. Well, um, thank you very much. Uh, main place to follow me is uh, on Twitter, Sam uh, Man of Steel. That's my main account. It's uh-huh. mostly retweeting video games and professional wrestling. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, with the release of the patch, I'm going to be more um, more focused on sharing bits of the patch, updates, screenshots, upcoming releases as well. Uh, after this release, we're going to be trying to release uh, one major patch every two months or so. So there's hopefully see some major progression. Um, and I always like to keep something new out so people stay interested and keep playing and keep coming back. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, so that's the place to follow me. Um, Another place at Wiki Dungeon on Twitter. Uh, this is the uh, main fan uh, wiki page for the Mystery Dungeon series. So it covers all the Mystery Dungeon games, uh, including Dragon Quest ones, Pokemon ones, uh, Sheeran. Uh, there's some quite obscure ones I've never played myself before. I think there's a Chocobo Mystery Dungeon one, which mm-hmm. a bit interested. And they're also releasing the patch for me. Uh, they're releasing it on their Discord. Uh, link to it shared on Twitter. Um, I'll be retweeting that a lot, and I'm sure they'll be retweeting it a lot as well coming up to March 6th. And also their website, mysterydungeonwiki.com. Uh, excellent resource. Any Mystery Dungeon games you play, loads of content. Uh, Cora over there has given me so much help with... Um, she has just bought loads of the Japanese guides for Tornico. She likes to um, get all the information from these books and share it on the wiki. Anything that hasn't been released uh, in the West, she tries to get hold of it, scan it, upload it, and get that information out there and some of it's some really cool information that you wouldn't get anywhere else um so really good effort i think they do a lot there so definitely worth yeah. checking out all right very cool yeah and i'll make sure to link to all the stuff in the show notes too so anybody that's listening to today's episode make sure you just check out the show notes you can click the links and visit all the stuff that sam's talking about his his uh twitter account the wiki dungeon twitter account and the website itself here so uh hopefully people can click on that stuff, find all this stuff, because it sounds, it sounds very exciting. And I'm, 
eager now to talk to you about the process of fan translation because I don't know like anything about fan translating like at all. So it's always, I've always been fascinated with, with just like the translation and localization process that games go through is just really interesting to me. So first of all, is this your first time doing a fan translation or have you done it for other games before? Uh, no, my first fan translation was for uh, Final Fire Pro Wrestling on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I started that probably on and off around 2005 or 2006. Um, so are you aware of the Fire Pro Wrestling series at all? No, I'm um, <laughs> not. No, sorry. Not to worry. Um, so it's kind of, uh, they bend copyright laws to get all the wrestlers into the games. There's some slight tweaks to how they look and they change the names, but essentially all your major wrestlers from all different promotions all over the world are all there. Uh-huh. Um, oh, okay. the, the thing with this game, this particular one, it has a, a business management mode. You run your own wrestling promotion, you hire wrestlers. So there's a fair bit of text, probably quite not uh, not quite as much as Tornico, but there's uh, still a fair bit to do. Yeah, I spent a good few years on that and I started to figure out how to edit the wrestlers and change different aspects of the game. So I could, in theory, make mods and that. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a big following for it. I had a couple of people that were really interested, and on the whole, because it was an older game at the time when I'd started translating it, it didn't really um, get a lot of attention. Uh, <laughs> but I was doing it. It's more of a, a passion of mine. I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and I was also a professional wrestler for a few years, about 10 years or so. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's very cool. Uh, my my aunt, uh, not related to him uh, you know, she married my uncle, but uh, my aunt, her brother uh, was a pro wrestler here in the States uh, for about 10 years as well, back in the 90s and early oh, 2000s. So, oh, brilliant. That would have been yeah. a good time to do it. Really busy then, I think. Good business. and His wife, uh, no, I was just going to say his wife uh, was also a wrestler. They would like go do events and she was like the, I don't know if they were like a, a duo or like what their, <laughs> their deal was. But yeah, they there's like a very, uh, it's really funny because they have this really, big poster that I remember my aunt and uncle had at their house where they look really, you know, tough and like they have, you know, there's like fire in front of them on the poster and they're wearing like all black and like growling, you know, uh, like out from the poster. And then they had that at their house. And then next to them was like an Easter picture and they're all like, you know, he's in a suit and a tie and she's in like a flowery (laughs) dress and they have like their child with them. And they're just like on the beach smiling and, you know, and it's like very two different pictures (laughs) and side by side. And I always thought it was like just a lot of fun seeing those pictures next to one another. Oh, that's excellent. My wife was never interested in um, giving the wrestling a go, but she used to come to the shows to watch me. Um, She did some photography and she also designed all my wrestling gear for me, all my tights and everything. Um, Oh, that's awesome. A bit involved, but yeah, it wasn't her thing getting thrown yeah. around and hitting people. <laughs> this is one of my favorite things about having a podcast is getting to talk to people and finding out these kind of things about other people, like that you that you were a pro wrestler for like ten years. Like that's that kind of like those little things like that. I always find really interesting whenever <laughs> people come on the show. Like I really like finding that stuff out. So that's really cool. So, uh, so what inspires you to translate Tornico three? Like, like why Tornico three above any other games out there? I suppose it kind of carries on with from where I finished it with the Fire Pro Wrestling translation. The mode I translated had some uh, the, the newest version of the game, the Fire Pro Wrestling World, had a, a management code mode coming out. I thought well, that essentially makes my translation redundant. There's a brand new mode that does the same thing but better on a new console. So I thought I'll finish that. I'll get everything done before the the DLC comes out. Finish it 
draw a line through it and say, okay, that's it, I'm done. I'll stop updating it and doing things. But I need a new project to work on. It's something I've really enjoyed translating. It's the troubleshooting, testing, um, problem solving. Um, and it just kind of felt like a bit of a gap. And I saw someone shared a graphic with the different Dragon Quest games uh, that hadn't been translated into English. And that was one of the ones that jumped out to me, Tordico 3. It's um, one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And also it was a, a Game Boy Advance game. I've got a bit of experience with the tools. I thought there'll be a bit of a learning curve, but I should get to grips with it and uh, start translating. Um, so that was the main reason, really. It was, yeah, just kind of I was looking for a new project and this one jumped out to me. Um, I also wanted to give something about, back to the community as well. The Dragon Quest communities, it's a really nice community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is for sure, for sure. I'm not very good at drawing, art, music or anything, but programming and sitting in front of computers is something I'm good at and something I can contribute. So I thought I'll give a translation a go and see how far I get. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get it. I mean, that's why I think, uh, well, I guess it will be a couple of weeks ago uh, whenever this episode airs, but when Alinzia was on talking about crafting and all, uh, I was talking about that's why, that's why I started a Dragon Quest blog with writing and why I wrote a Dragon Quest book with writing is because, you know, I, I wanted to do something with the fandom and I wanted to talk about Dragon Quest and also share other people's stories and I could write, I knew how to write. So I was yeah. like, this could be my like contribution to the fandom uh, <laughs> since I can't, uh, I can't do anything else. Like I can't, I do not have the, I do not have the skill or patience to do a thing like fan translation, but I can, I can write something and share other people's stories, you know? I so I totally, I totally get it. I've read your book as well. I've, I've, I've talked about this a couple of times and it, that was one of the things that inspired me uh, to get back into Dragon Quest. I'd finished my main series challenge, finished all the games. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, oh, okay, I've, I've finished it. And then I saw your book. Uh, I think it came up on Amazon. Uh-huh. And then I saw the podcast. And that just really got me back into Dragon Quest again. After I'd finished the main games, I thought, I'm going to go back and do some more. And uh, the experiences and the interviews you had in there really inspired me to get back into it and get involved. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. No, thank you. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so cool. So can you tell me what the translation process is like? Because I honestly, I have I have no clue like what this is like at all. So can you can you kind of just explain that to me and maybe anybody listening? Yeah, of course. Um, there's plenty of good websites out there and tutorials. Um, I was When I started this project, I was kind of a bit ham-fisted. I went straight in. I thought, oh, I know what I'm doing. Open the ROM, started messing around with things. Corrupted the whole ROM and broke it. Oh no! Ten hours into it, so I had a lot of stuff translated, but the game wouldn't load, and I couldn't see where I'd broken it. So I'm more structured now. I keep lots of backups. I take a backup every day if I've done some work. Yeah. So when you say, sorry to interrupt you there, but so when you say, when you say, like you about you were about ten hours in, and then it was corrupted, so you just lost all of that progress. Kind of. I could figure out where it was in the ROM. By comparing the two files, I had the broken version compared to the brand new clean version that I uh-huh. acquired legally. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so I could kind of figure out what I translated and rescue some of it. So I didn't it lost some work, but I had to. I didn't lose everything. I'd still had the translation, some of the basics there. It's just a oh, case okay. of writing it back into the new ROM um, and trying to figure out where I'd gone wrong. I'd added a load of lines in that had just corrupted the whole thing and messed it up. But with the translation, I use a program called MadEdit. It'll open any type of file, and it'll show you the machine code, the hexadecimal for it all uh, compressed. And there's a viewer that translates that into whatever language you're using uh, or whatever language it's 
written in. So for Japanese, you change it to uh, Shift Jis, ours is ASCII, and that will display the characters. So I've got all my kanji, uh, my hiragana and katakana. And then it's a case of finding those bits of text and translating them. So scrolling through this big, I think it's only about a 16 megabyte file, but it's quite big when you're scrolling through it and you've just got lines and lines and lines of a lot of it's gibberish that doesn't make any sense. Usually graphics and bits that can be been compressed. Um, but you pick out the, the language parts and translate those. Mm-hmm. So the two ways I do it is I'll either find an element of the ROM uh, items, monsters, they tend to have a big long list of all the text in one place. So it's a case of finding the name. Uh, I've been using Woodus a lot. There's a really good, uh, their monster database, you can search the Japanese name and it shows you the English translation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just making sure that my translations are matching up to what's on there and then putting the correct uh, localization name in there. Same with items, it's just looking through, just working through those items one by one. Uh, usually sitting there two or three hours just going through the whole lot until I lose interest. So, okay, that's enough for one day. Save it, walk away, uh, and come back another day. Yeah, so that that was actually one thing I was wondering is, so when you encounter, let's say, maybe a monster in Tornica 3 that does not have a canon English name that's seen before, uh, I was wondering if you just, like, make it up, if you try to do a direct translation. But So you go to the dragonsden.com, to wudas.com, dragonsden, and and pull the information from there usually yeah yeah if it hasn't got a, a localization i'll try and make something up based on what it is in japanese i've also got one of the one of the problems i've got to work with is the amount of space you've got for characters so i might have seven characters seven mm-hmm. letters to work with to put a monster's name in whatever i'm trying to put in might be 15 i think um hammerhood's a horrible one i think it's h dot hood and that's all i could fit in anything more advanced and mm-hmm. descriptive but I think when people say it, they'll go, oh, that's a hammered H hood. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm yeah, yeah. Trying to say. But yeah, that's that's a good chunk of the process. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's very interesting. And again, I am just uh, completely in awe of the patience <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and hard work that you put into this because I... I know myself and I would, I do not think I, first of all, I don't think I have the skill, but secondly, I just don't think I would have the patience for something (laughs) like this. Like this is, this is really impressive. Like, honestly, it really is like, like just kudos to you for taking the time to do this. Like, this is amazing. Thank you very much. So do you have a favorite part of doing the fan translation for Tornico 3? Um, I'd say my favorite parts. Once I've got something translated, I'll load up the game and play it for a bit, and there's stuff in English, and the more I work on it, the more there is in English, and the more I feel like it's progressing. That's kind of my favourite thing to see, just load it up in the emulator. I use my 3DS a lot as well. It's a little bit more finicky putting the ROM on an SD card and playing it that way, but having it on an actual console and playing it and seeing it in English, I think, oh, wow, this is quite cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But just seeing the progress, seeing the monsters' names in English... Uh, I've got some of the combat text translated. Not so much the skills and bits. That's going to be something that will be coming along later. Um, I've got a small section of the story translated when you first arrive uh, on the island, uh, when you wash up. And just seeing that translated, it feels like, oh, I'm making progress and it's looking like a real game. <laughs> something I can understand fully. Yeah, um, that's so, great. So, yeah. so what's your least favorite part of it? I think mentioned it briefly but working with the amount of space you've got there's some uh, some of the ways it's compressed the text you've got for the japanese is you've got tons of room loads of characters and it's no problem at all um 
and then you come to something where you've got maybe three characters to work with and it's uh, a golden staff and i've got some somehow represent a golden staff in three characters so i have to get a bit creative load up a thesaurus and try and figure out what what can i call it to make it make sense to the player when they're playing mm-hmm. and try and keep close to the original translation or to the original game um so that can be quite frustrating there's been some nights i've been working late doing it and i've just gone, oh, i can't do it i'm going to bed that's enough <laughs> and then i come back to the next day sleep on it and hopefully have some better ideas there's still a few bits i need to tweak and i'm hoping with releasing the the demo patch people will be able to chip in and give me their feedback as well yeah that's very cool so maybe uh, so maybe for people who are listening who aren't that familiar with fan translations and things like that, we've been talking today about the the Game Boy Advance version. So to play this game, uh, somebody out there, what do they need access to in order to play this? So to play it, you need yourself an emulator, uh, a ROM version of the game, and then there's the IPS patch that I'll be bringing out uh, 6th of March. Um, with those three things, you'll be able to play the game as is with as much translation as I've got through. Yeah, most, of, cool. um, most of the software and bits you need, it's a quick Google. Same for the ROMs. The ROMs, of course, um, dubious gray area downloading. Uh, I don't think Square Enix will be really upset with people downloading it because it's, they're not losing out on money, but uh, yeah. it's still illegal. Definitely in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> okay gotcha yeah so we'll, we'll just put a little disclaimer there no i, I got gotcha. yeah so uh so any advice to people out there who maybe want to give fan translating games a try but haven't haven't started yet or maybe don't know how to get started um probably a good game to start off with the pokemon games uh-huh. uh such a big huge franchise and they've got such a following with fan mods and translations and editing and um there's all sorts of nice tools specifically just for the Pokemon games. And that's where I started as well. Um, I just finished Pokemon Blue at the time. I'd imported it from the US. And uh, I was really excited reading all the magazines about Pokemon Gold and managed to get a hold of a, a fan translation and a ROM. I was mm-hmm. playing it every evening, even though a lot of it was gibberish. There was a lot more broken in it than uh, some of the later versions of the translation. But I still gave it a go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... As time went on, I figured out how to download the tools myself and start editing it and playing about with it. And then there was more of the specific tools for Pokemon at that point. So I I spent a lot of time trying to make... I liked the idea of having a game where you could catch them all in one game. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I'm playing on my PC, so if I'm wandering around and I can catch every single Pokemon without having to trade with anyone, I quite like that idea. Although I I used to trade with my brother a lot. Yeah. Um, So that that was just kind of somewhere I started, just messing around. And it didn't matter if I broke it or if I didn't finish anything. It was just taking the game apart and having a go um, and just f- figuring out how things worked. Um, but probably what I'd recommend, there's a couple of good websites uh, to check out. There's zofala.net uh, um, and then romhacking, rom, uh, sorry, romhacking.net. Uh, mm-hmm. Both good places. They've got lots of tools, tutorials, forums, and they've been around for years as well. So really good place to check out if you want to get into fan translations or any sort of hacking or rom, uh, ROM development. Definitely worth checking out. I'd recommend keeping lots of backups, always copy and paste your ROM so you've got one from the night before or the day before, just in case you do break something, um, you don't lose hours of work. Um, create loads of IPS patches. That's what I've been doing. I create a, a patch each time I've updated something. I stick it on my Google Drive just so I've got a backup. And uh, if someone does point out something's broken, I can try and figure out what date I broke it and then work forwards from there to fix it. But yeah, that's the way to go. Just open up a game and don't worry if you break it or if you make something that 
isn't any good. It's worth having a go just to see uh, if it's something you enjoy and something you want to get into. Yeah, very cool. That about does it for today's episode. Remember, if you want to find Dragon Quest FM on Twitter, we are at Dragon Quest FM. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dragon Quest FM. If you want to talk to me individually, you can. I'm on Twitter at Dragon Quaston. I also have a Dragon Quest fan site at dragonquestaustin.com. And you can check out my other podcast. It's called JRPGs and Me. Sam, I'll let you tell everyone where to find all your stuff again, if you don't mind. Of course, no problem. Uh, so I'm on Twitter, Sam Man of Steel. I'd also recommend following uh, Wiki Dungeon because they'll be posting regular updates and they're always sharing information on the patch as well. Uh, and I've been keeping a post on uh, Dragon Den, uh, Dragon Quest Den forum. Uh, I've not been great at logging in and updating it, but another uh, goal for me is just sharing that information and getting it out there. So I'll be posting there more and more often, sharing more screenshots and getting the information out. Yeah, the main three places to check out if you want some updates and want to know when the next release is coming out as well. Great. Uh, Again, Sam, thank you so much for hanging out with me today and discussing this. This just sounds so amazing. So thank you very much. No problem at all. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week.